You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Um, welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. I am Louis Kornfeld. This afternoon, I'm speaking with Janice Meeting. Am I pronouncing your name correctly, mm-hmm. Janice? Awesome. Janice Meeting and Lauren Olson, the stars and hosts of the very popular Jana and Lauren Presents, among a number of other fantastic shows. Thank you guys for talking today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I speak for us both. She always does. Uh, I want to start off. You guys uh, have been um, collaborating with each other for a number of years. And I'm curious to get your perspective on that. You guys met in Oregon? Is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How long have you guys known each other? Since like 2004, probably. Yeah, that's about right. In college we met. Yeah, we were, I was in the studying theater arts in my undergrad and um Lauren jumped into it in her undergrad as well but later mm. and we started collaborating on shows and uh improv yeah we were on the same improv I think we both got onto the improv team at the same time maybe yeah is that right your at, sister was already on it yeah at the time there was uh, at University of Oregon there's like this kind of long running um tradition of improv there that is like totally uh, grassroots, like grassroots improv. There's never been like an improv program or like mm-hmm. a teacher or a, a, a director, but um, it's called Absolute Improv. And it used to be like um, a group of people that just started doing short form and um, doing it like in bars and shit around Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> and then they started to become more of a long form group. And I got into it because my older sister was in the theater department as well. And I just had older friends and kind of got sucked into doing comedy with them. And we started to develop a long form uh, culture in the group. And it was like taught by students. Hmm. Yeah. We like directed each other. Yeah. And then they, uh, Lauren came on and we met doing that. And then she also started doing, Shows. Some of the shows. Like that. I was a business major, so I was not in it at all. Oh, really? <laughs> but I got into, like, I, I took a couple classes because I'd never really taken any sort of, like, creative electives in high school because I was, like, sports school. Uh-huh. And um, got into it and really liked it. And then, yeah. And Jana was a year ahead of me, so she was above me. And we didn't have any, of like, art, like any of the acting classes I t- took weren't with her. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until really our senior year that we were in a show together, this devising show, and... Then we both kind of sort of started to become friends through that. And then, or maybe, yeah, was that right? Mm-hmm. And then um, when we were graduating, we both realized that we were going to New York and we both hung out in Eugene that summer. So we hung out mm-hmm. a lot more. So then when we moved, we, I don't know, over the summer we became better friends, I guess, mm-hmm. good friends. Yeah. Was it like instantly clear to you guys that the possibility for a strong collaboration was there or did it you, like you kind of like warmed into it over that summer? Well, we weren't even really collaborating. We were just friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Truly we were just friends and we, we both liked doing improv and comedy. Yeah. And so uh, I think when we came here, when I, when we first moved here, like I wasn't doing any acting or any improv. Like I was just struggling to get by. Uh, but Lauren started immediately. I started taking, because I looked into UCB at first. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any slots open. And Jana Googled and was like looking more and found Magnet. And that was like, you got, they had been open for like, I don't know, maybe five or six months or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And there was a slot in one of Armando's 101s. And the uh, scheduler like emailed me and was like, they've give you $50 off. Uh, there's uh, there's already been like one week of class if you want to like jump in. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. But I didn't know. I mean, because like I said, all of our, the absolute improv is done by students who taught you. So I'd never like been in a real class before. But so, yeah. So then I started taking classes because I like immediately fell in love with it. And then after Gianna, because we were focusing on work and school stuff, mm-hmm. it took her another year. Is mm-hmm. that right? Until you started taking classes? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was another probably year or two years before we really started like making stuff together, right? Mm-hmm. Would you say? Yeah. yeah. You when you came in, Jenna, you were with um Kristen Pollock, right? Were you guys like in the same Yeah, we were. We were in the same class, the same cohort. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um the same one that Chet Watkins was born out of. Yeah. With um Lizzie Redner mm-hmm. and Chris Camp and Kelly Cry. Um 
And yeah, we, Christian and I immediately became friends. I like looked around the room and like immediately found the other asshole. (laughs) I was like, who's the other asshole? (laughs) That guy. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, And then Lauren was a member of Chet Watkins later in the the series, yeah. Chet Watkins series yeah, yeah. of and events. Then, and then you and Christian have stayed very close collaborators too. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and still a wonderful duo together. What's like the secret to the chemistry with you guys? You guys are interesting to watch because you're not afraid to push each other really hard. Like literally physically. and physically. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that is the key. I mean, we, Christian and I, I mean, just in the way Lauren and I, even the three of us, like we get into these like epic conversations about acting and and you know improv and comedy and and career and what it, like life we just have these really intellectual conversations about what we do and um we have similar perspectives and part of that perspective i think is just a, like exercising a an a, a really strong amount of fearlessness mm-hmm. with each other and knowing that like I can do anything and I know he's game and he's notoriously like that. Just an improv. He'll play with anybody um, that way. I have an anecdote about that. In fact, but uh, I, I think we both have in our day jobs or in our normal lives um, probably have an existence that like you can't really let your freak flag fly Mm -hmm. very much. Um, And so we kind of have a bit of an unspoken agreement that like, we will just really, really take it to the limit and kind of uh, challenge each other's and, you know, an audience's idea about what's acceptable, what's appropriate on stage and, and what can you make funny? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also like gender roles. Like I don't, I, I don't think he's afraid to play a woman and I'm not afraid to play a man and we'll ha- get like in a boxing match as two men. And just, it's like so <laughs> enjoyable because honestly, where else in your life can you ever uh, just totally, totally have no inhibition? Yeah. Like she's gotten hurt. I mean, he's gotten hurt too, but like, I'm just thinking of a show maybe it was this past summer where you guys like physically, they were like physically fighting. Uh-huh. In like a way that was like somebody's gonna really get hurt, but I didn't feel weird or uncomfortable about it. I loved it, and it's not you cannot do that. There's so many people that are like you. You have to be really careful with. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. really it's really fun to watch. It developed with through Chet Watkins too, because I think in Chet we had that kind of um, a, a little bit of a, that agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, probably started when um, we started being uh, coached by Russ. Armstrong and he really like encouraged us to take the physicality of our scenes to a different level, like pick each other up and Mm -hmm. like have a closeness and really like move as a system and jump on each other, like in all ways and be so present with each other. Um, And it just so happens that like Christian and I are like very big and burly. And so (laughs) it's really fun to like go like Buffalo to Buffalo. (laughs) There was each other when when you guys were on Chet Watkins. It, it wasn't just like the physical thing too. Like um, you guys would manage to pull off together. Sometimes there could be something really brutal about the content of what you were improvising. Like it, not just like darkness and not just being dark for the sake of being dark or being funny with like challenging material, but but being real. Yeah, in a way that was still funny and electric uh, um, and played. I think like could bring an audience when you guys were at your best to like that threshold of feeling uncomfortable, but not so far that they didn't also get like an entertainment out of it and laugh at it too. Mm. I'm curious like what your guys thinking is on that because that's a really hard thing to pull off. And oftentimes when I see people going to those darker places, it either they bail on it Or uh, they kind of commit to it, but in a way that's infuriating where mm-hmm. they're kind of committing to it for its own sake and they're just kind of like rubbing your face in shit, you know, so purposefully, purposely. Yeah. Or, 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 or because in their mind, it's a question of like, well, it's improv. So you just got to commit to the course that you're taking right, sure. kind of, kind of blindly, yeah. you know, how, what is your guys thinking on that? Because you pull it off, you know, your characters can oftentimes be very arresting. I, I think, I mean, I've talked a lot 
the three of us, like Jenna was saying, we'll have these conversations. Yeah. And <clears throat> me and her, and definitely Christian, I've talked to about this, how there are different types of improvisers and like styles and ways of approaching improv. And we just instinctually, like, I don't feel... I'm not as much of a cerebral player at all. Like I'm, if the game is set up and like I like I can't I can't uh, think of references off the top of my head as easily as some people. I can't mm-hmm. come up with words or language or that kind of thing. But it, so we play all of us. I think from a much more visceral, visceral, like um, emotional, gut feeling kind of place. And so I feel like, and we really like to get in and like act it out. And I think that that is can be the difference between stuff going dark or going really blue and like being kind of like oh people like rolling their eyes at it like mm-hmm. oh god or like being very very uncomfortable without a little bit of like empathy or something i think that it's that kind of being able to act out and play the nuance and make these people and these situations feel real as real as possible mm-hmm. that yeah. allows allows us to kind of like walk that line Hopefully successfully. I mean, of course, there's times when things go overboard, sure, yeah. but like, and that's just part of it. But I think, I think it's also bringing like a complexity of character to a character, like bringing all he- aspects of a human experience to even those smallest moments. And Christian is like really, really good at this kind of thing where he's like a big asshole or something. You know, he plays like a real big jerk, uh, and he's like mean to his to his boss or something or he pops off to somebody and then he goes home and has like a a wife that he loves very much and he squeezes her loves her and he's like harmless you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it's just like there's that there's like a a dualism uh, even more than a dualism um multifaceted multifaceted complex complex people people that if you can bring if you are able to bring those kind of perspectives to moments then it's so easy for an audience to be like oh i'm in safe hands these people know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're they're just being normal, regular people. They just happen to fucking be like, a, I don't know, wearing a crazy wig and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, a taxi driver. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, it, I think it really requires like a commitment to the acting of it, mm-hmm. the performance of it. And it makes it easier to do too for a performer. Like I always go back to this, that I'm not like a very cerebral, I mean, I, yeah, I'm aware I'm mm-hmm. smart, but like, uh, in terms of like, you know, playing hard and playing a, a game of something or whatever, like I'm not excellent as like, um, I'm going to play the game, then we're going to edit and we're going to play it again. And we're going to pl- edit and play it again. And we're going to edit and play it again. Like mm-hmm. in that heightening way, I'm not going to think of the best ideas. There's people that are way better at that than I am. So, and I think that, for some people, it's like that's the easy way to play. But to me, the more seamless, easy way to play is to play from like a like instinctual, like, well, what would this? Who is this person? What do they want? Like, what what does this person want? Like, um, uh, how do they feel about the other people? And then, like, now, how would they react to the situation when mm-hmm. we like as it evolves? Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I'm bad at that too. Like, I've been playing with the Armando for a while, and it's been really challenging it's really challenged my improv a lot and um mostly because of the um the ways in which the show is set up so that you know you build these initial scenes and i'm great at those i'm great at the at jumping out and giving mm-hmm. like a good strong character a nice relationship like building something i'm good at the like foundation and then as soon as those tag outs run man i freeze up Every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, I got to think about it. And then, I mean, I, you know, as soon as somebody picks up on those like quick thinking, really intelligent, like, oh, I'm going to take this to the next step. I'm going to take this person somewhere else. And I, I am always on the tail end of those tag It's <laughs> like, oh, and then I question myself because I'm all of a sudden trapped in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I second guess my choices and I end up, like sitting there and busting my own ass after the show. <laughs> yeah, I find myself a lot in those situations wondering what people are are expecting me to do. I'll be called out for something, and it'll just be like, I don't know what you want me to do right now, and it, it, it then it, you just kind of like lose it. And it's very much a thing of like breaking up the flow of a character. That once mm-hmm. like the momentum is there for your performance, you're just kind of. I mean, this is like a bad cliche, but you're sort of like surfing it a little bit. You're just kind of keeping your balance, riding 
yeah what's yeah, been that created makes, yeah. but then once you stop it and try to condense it to like one hilarious callback or one oh, hilarious God. move it's so hard especially if you're keeping in mind that the characters that you're playing are complex living people and you're trying to treat them that way it's exactly. then hard to boil them down to that one note that's going to be like the funny thing to mm-hmm. do with them yeah it's a style of thinking it's a style of playing and um i'm not saying that i you know a person can't improve at it it's a skill yeah. um it's just uh you know it is we always the three of us whenever we talk about improv and comedy we are, really value our time we love slow we like to breathe through a a scene or a sketch and just play it out because we know we trust that in that mono scene or wherever the hell it is, that really long first initial scene, something normal but magical is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And once we find that it's like the pace is set. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're like slow oldies. (laughs) Moldy oldie. <laughs> so it's a very like natural transition for you guys then to go into scripted work and, and into character focused work. So I want to talk a little bit about Jan and Lauren Presents, cool. uh, um, which you guys host on a monthly basis. It's the first Friday of every month. Yeah, yeah. usually. Yeah. So, uh, um, what's the idea behind the show? What was the opportunity that you guys were looking to create? We um, wanted to, I mean, uh, do something that we, in order to like be able to showcase and ourselves and mm-hmm. like do stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, cause we've been doing like, you know, sketch stuff and, um, we're like, okay, how can we, you know, um, w- one of the reasons that I, I was like thinking about it is cause there's like the, um, just for laughs character showcase that came up maybe, I think it first started happening maybe four or five years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of people that are like every year around kind of like this time, probably like February ish kind of in a frantic, like, Oh shit, I got to figure out some characters to do or whatever. They know that they, have a ability to do characters that they like it or they've done a solo show or whatever. Um, but then it's like honing that skill and getting good at being succinct about it and coming up with stuff and just playing really and like having a place. I also, in the idea, it's not necessarily something that's actually developed out of it, but it was like a showcase for like if industry people want to come mm-hmm. see or whatever, like basically trying to figure out a place to be doing this more. Mm-hmm. I think what also it, it started when we were on Risky Bottom, was it? I think it was. Was it? I think it was because I don't think it just organically it did, came out of. We ju- I think we were talking about it about the same time that we got on the team. Like it was like fall because then it took a couple months to like actually decide to do it and figure it out. When we started doing the Magnet Sketch Program, um, we were both on the team Risky Bottom, uh, directed by Chet. And I started to notice like, I think we both started to notice that our sketch writing was following character mm-hmm. sketch characters Mm -hmm. more often Mm -hmm. and we were just writing for ourselves which is it was so like liberating (laughs) to like write a piece a script for me Mm -hmm. and challenge myself Mm -hmm. um um and so and to see it come to life with other people there to help make it look amazing and um i think that also like fed into our desire to be like let's just do our own show but also we need these other people. Like we wanted to have, we wanted to develop everyone else as well. We wanted it to be, wanted there to be a space mm-hmm. for it. <clears throat> and so, yeah, we'd basically just like, I think you just re- reached out to Megan and we're like, this is kind of something we're thinking about yeah. doing. Um, and you guys have been building it together for a long time now. You just celebrated yeah, the two year anniversary of the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've been doing it for a while now it's, and it's the most fun. I mean, right out of the gates, it was like, <clears throat> I think like one of the first shows we were just kind of like, okay, great. We don't have like a huge audience, but like it, it feels like a show for the performers more than for the audience. Yeah. And now we've gotten quite a bit more people that are like interested in like coming or like kind of maybe want to do the show at a certain point yeah. or like nervous, but like, but they're interested in characters, whatever. So we people we hit come, momentum at one year in. Yeah, I think probably. We like really, we took a, our duo sketch show, or we took a, a version of JNL to Portland. Yep. And then I remember coming back from Portland, our for our one year anniversary. Uh, we we took it around Christmas time, and then we came back, and the show sold out mm-hmm. that January. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's and I cool. was like, "What the hell happened?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I think it all started, and I think it continues to like work off of just like the people that are the performers yeah. because it's like if you come to the show 
usually everybody that's in it is going to sit off to the side. And like from the very beginning, it's like usually even if the audience wasn't laughing, it's like cackling laughter in the side, which whether or not that that's good or not, I think it is because it just, we want to foster the environment where it's just like, try anything. Who cares? You know, you're not there to like, the audience will be entertained if you're having a good time and trying something that you're interested in, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you have the cushion of a bunch of other talented people that are performing at the same time. So it's not like, if you invite somebody to the show, they're going to have a really good time. Yeah. Um, but it's also a really fun place to see what other people are working on. We've met and like fostered a lot of really cool friendships and relationships. I think through this, like people that we already knew about or like, excuse me, peripherally were interested in like, Oh, they're doing something cooler. I kind of like this person. They have started to like come and do the show and then you hang out and you're like, Oh, I I love you. You're like such a cool person. We're going to be buddies now and we're going to collaborate on stuff or just be like normal friends. Like it's, been a, that in that way it's been like super valuable valuable yeah. i think yeah it, it's one of my favorite things about um doing comedy and i get the kick just like strictly through like improvising with a small group of people you know but it, it's the meeting of minds the coming together of minds and i don't just mean that in like getting to know each other but there's a sense as you're exploring these other characters that are inside of you and exploring these other ideas together where like some sort of like a uh, uh, shell like between you and other people does kind of like crack open a little bit and you really do sort of feel like your minds are touching each other. Yeah. You know, like and it's just totally. like the most fabulous way to connect with mm-hmm. other people. Well, and especially if you're like, you know, doing something that's really vulnerable, yeah. which acting is and comedy is you putting, I mean, if it's good, it, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but JNL, we've kind of pushed, we're trying, we have been trying and we continue to try to push the risky, the risk factor and being up there alone. It's like solo characters. So you go up alone, ideally, um, and you do your own character by yourself and it brings an element of fear. And, you know, even seasoned character actors who are like, I've done so many character open mics and, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you're, putting something brave on stage, then it's, you're going to get stage fright right before you go on. (laughs) How often do you get stage fright anymore? It's like after you've been doing comedy for a long time, I feel like, you know, you get into that habit where you're like, all right, let's go and do the thing. Yeah. And we've definitely been pushing it more and more the longer we've been doing it. And we are like getting busier and busier where it's like, Oh shit, it's this week. You got to (laughs) figure out what we're going to do. And it's a mad dash to like, a figure out what, because we usually do some sort of opening bit or like, we'll do like an opener closer kind of like, something mm. dumb usually, mm-hmm. but really fun. Um, that we'll, <clears throat> we'll ask other people to join us with. And then we're also writing solo bits for ourselves or figuring out what we're going to do. And the longer we've been doing it, it's almost been like trying to fuck with ourselves, trying to push further, further and see how, let's see if I can wait, like how soon before the show yeah. can I like wait to like <laughs> develop actually develop what I'm going to do or decide what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really scary, but it's also cool because what I've learned is like, you learn how you work best and you learn how <clears throat> how you get the most creative weird ideas and just kind of trust that like it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I feel like a lot more confident of a performer just in general in that like if you throw me out there with like a general like you're going to do this or whatever or, like you give me something a couple hours before and you're like you need to perform off book or whatever. I feel a lot more confident that I could pull it out. And I've learned a lot more about like playing with the audience. There's like, it's been a really invaluable thing uh, so far. And we've also started lately, um, I mean, at least in my mind, but I always talk to Lauren about it. Like, we've been making it at least in the last year so that we always have um, a a first timer in the show, at least one. Uh, Lately, it's been like one or two people who are doing. Jan and Lauren presents for the first time and um, hopefully really nervous. <laughs> uh, it's, it's delightful. It's delightful to be around that energy yeah. because we always, I don't want us ever to get too comfortable and to feel like this is like, or to take it for granted or yeah. to, you know, um, make it just feel like a monthly show that we always do. It's, it, it is so important to always have new voice and and excitement and uh bravery in the bunch yeah um and and we that feeling of like 
getting somebody and being like, no, you're going to be fine. And then texting with them. They're like, I'm really nervous. Help me. Help me. What do I do? You know, we, we're, we like try to help meet with people and coach them through the process of writing the character. And then, um, on show day, just being like, all right, break a leg. Yeah. <laughs> See you after the show for the pizza party. Yeah. Well, it, it like with anything you do it enough and you start to get good at it. And when you start to get good at it, you start to be able to kind of, go through the motions and like your mind can detach from the experience yeah, and you're you can, bullshitting. Yeah. And, and you might be able to put on like a perfectly competent, perfectly entertaining show, but it's lacking something very special. And I think bravery is the key thing to it. Like, it, like I'm very much as like pretentious as this sounds, but I'm, I very much believe in that idea that, you know, like you kind of like, you're not born with a soul. You have to like earn a soul through your life mm-hmm. you know like your soul is your project it's that thing that you're building and you build it through bravery you know? absolutely you know like so and that's where like when you're in in a room with people who are being brave and that's one of the reasons why i think so many non-performers are attracted to improv it's not even the comedy mm-hmm. of it although the comedy is like nice sauce for it you know it gives you like a mm-hmm. nice electric kick but it's that experience of being brave and being celebrated for it and being among other people who are being brave that you're actually watching people kind of like forge legit character yeah. in themselves mm-hmm. and it becomes contagious to other people. It, it kind of, it, it throws that sort of like a lifeline of hope, if you will. Absolutely, It's like the best drug on earth. Yeah. Bravery or taking a risk. You yeah. know, a lot of people are like, I like to jump off cliffs <laughs> or like I'm a bungee jumper, but Honestly, I have no interest in that because I feel like the I not that this is akin to bungee jumping, but there's a lot of people that are never going to get on stage and like show their ass yeah. the way a lot of people around here do. Literally. A lot of our like literally <laughs> and figuratively show their ass. Um but it it just doesn't happen. We happen to be in this amazing community of people that are constantly putting themselves in situations where they have to like they're in front of a hundred people and Mm -hmm. they have to exercise like these skills that they've learned and, and be on their, on their a game and also be vulnerable and also be emotive and be in a character. But remember when somebody tags you out, you gotta, you know, it's just a, it's like the highest order of thinking performing and to do it collaboratively with other people. It's just like a Jones. God, it's like good coffee. You guys have taught uh, <laughs> coffee. Just gives me nothing but anxiety. Yeah, we already talked about that. Uh, um, uh, you guys have taught a character creation class in the past that may come back at some point. Yeah, hopefully, right. hopefully the next few months. Yeah, hopefully this winter. How do you go about helping people come up with characters? Like, because at this point, you guys have become sort of like mentor figures to a lot of people. Uh, um, how do you encourage people to develop ideas? And how do you? Uh, how do you open people up to their own like particular vulnerabilities? How do you get them to find strong material? Well, we kind of do it through like a, you know, the, we start from zero mm-hmm. and go to the performance over the course of the class. Um, and we've kind of gone through a couple generations of this class mm-hmm. and like uh, decided what works best for people. But um, we are, you're just interrupted we, it, by Armando Diaz, who <laughs> quietly said, "I'm sorry," just loud enough for people to hear I'm it. Sorry, he so didn't sorry. have to say anything. <laughs> Shaking his head, chose to whisper it just loud enough for us to comment. On it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, so you know the process, as most writing does, uh, first involves like, what's your aesthetic? Mm. Identifying like your kind of comedic aesthetic. What kind of things do you think are funny? Uh, also identifying like, what are you willing to risk? Like what, what are you ready to, what do you want to do that you never have gotten to do before? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, and, and one of the things that I often will say, cause this is something I do for myself is like, what have I been thinking about a lot? Or what have I been worrying about a lot? Mm-hmm. Or like, if I'm having a hard time finding up, like come a premise or like, cause sometimes you can find a neat little like situation you put this person in this situation and like it's you know it's going to be really good or really funny but if you're struggling for something like that or if you don't know what your aesthetic is I think that can be kind of the hard part and that's something we've learned doing the show is like oh what our voices you've developed it along the way and kind of learn it Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. a lot of that comes from just like your own self and your own point of view in the world so I often will say like okay what is the thing that's been 
you've been thinking about, like guys, like, you know, guys are assholes or something like that. Or like you think of a situation that you've been put in before mm-hmm. and you think of a way or, or a person that you don't like or a personality style you don't like. And then you try to like, let's try to break that down. Mm-hmm. And so what I'll often do is like, if it's a characteristic I don't like, I'll then we'll try to get them to like brainstorm ideas about things that they don't like or that that bothers them about the world or society or whatever. I mean, you can get as weird and like big as that, but like something that they feel passionate about so that when they do start writing about it or like writing to the point of view, they like have a strong, the character has like a strong point of view. And then you have to figure out, okay, where, where would you put a person with this like, drive for this um yeah create the context create the context for it um for maybe if it's a behavior you don't like or just a general point of view i don't know is is the idea i'm sorry to cut you off is the idea then when you're choosing like a characteristic of somebody that you don't like to then embody that person's point of view and kind of give them their reasons for it like this goes back to like the complexity that you're talking about before exactly it's like it's exactly um, it's like find that this person (laughs) Because it's no fun to villainize. Yeah. Anyone, everyone wants to watch sympathetic characters, or yeah. the, if they, if it is a really unsympathetic character, you want them to kind of get their due. Yeah. But you need to show that there's a vulnerability there, anyways. That they're an actual person, so that when they do get their due, <laughs> that they feel it. You know, one of the things in the class that we try to do toward the end, when the when the character is written or mostly written, and there's like a good skeleton there, and they have a context, is, um you know, reading through it and reading it with other people and, and like identifying, like if this is a darker character, like what is the lighter side? Mm -hmm. Or if Mm -hmm. it's a nice bright character, what's the dark underbelly? Mm -hmm. So just like finding the shades um, of the character and helping the person identify like, Oh, I see. So if I just slip that in one time, uh, it's, it'll be, Excuse me, man. <laughs> I have a little man in my chest that that's, coughs. It's Armando Diaz loudly coughing <laughs> inside of Janice's chest. That's his undiagnosed bronchitis. Because um, <laughs> he's afraid of the doctor. <laughs> um, this is all true stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's just like... Um, Again, another part of the class that we decided to create is that it it needs to have collaboration. Yeah. Writing a solo character in isolation by yourself yeah. is virtually impossible. I always have to text Lauren mm-hmm. and be like, what am I doing? Like, help me out. And Google inevitably, out all the time. inevitably it comes to life once I'm talking to somebody every single time that's what happens. And so we ha- sit in groups and small groups and be like, here's my idea. People help you pitch, you know. Oh, what if this character did this? What if what if she says this? Oh, that's a good idea. And then it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go away, they write, and they come back, and then you know, you go kind of go over it again. Okay, you could work on this or punch this up. What feels fun to them? Because mm-hmm. sometimes you're they'll come in and be like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll hate it, or they'll like um <clears throat> feel insecure about it, or maybe they'll feel insecure about doing something on the stage. Like sometimes it's as simple as someone just being like, I wanna this is I mean, this is whatever. I always <laughs> It's like, I want to pull a, pan- a tampon out mm-hmm. on stage. It's like something as simple as like, this is what I want to do something really gross or really that outrageous or yeah. something. And that can be the momentum to be like, okay, that feels fun to you. Let's find a way to like make that get happen you. in a justifiable way. Like to, to, that pr- makes to protect sense. it so that you still yeah. get there. Your- so yeah. it's not just, it's like you're saying about the darkness, but then, okay, let's make this a complex person where right. the audience is not just like, Really, you just—I just paid money to like see somebody pull a tampon out. Yeah. Like it's like it's not some sort of like avant-garde art piece, and yeah. it's actually like a fully developed, like well, actually funny piece. There is like a certain amount of like scandals, not the word, but but you do go to a theater hoping for like a little bit of shock. Sure, yeah, you, you oh, want, yeah. You want an event. Something- you want something momentous to happen that's like out of the ordinary, mm-hmm. but you also don't want to just be like confronted with bullshit. You know what I mean? Oh, like, and have like just a shock occur to you. Mm-hmm. But when you can be led into like an understanding of another person, and then that leads to that theatrical moment of something that's like ah, mm-hmm. that's a really like yes. moving experience. Absolutely. I think you like hit the nail on the head there too, because I think something that we we don't take for granted enough is that this is a theater. We can do theater in this theater. Yeah. It's not just for bits and you know Mm -hmm. you know improv or what it's and even improv like we can make it theatrical we can make it 
shine and glitz and, and we can have it big or small or we can make it whatever we want. We just need to kind of experience that, all of that, yeah. you know, uh, get uh, like a really, get really crazy with it. I mean, it's, it's so wonderful that we have a theater to mm-hmm. work in. I, it's so hard to find space anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, um, I've only done one character in 10 years of comedy that I felt was even marginally successful. Uh, and I'll tell you the moment when he came to life. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, his name was Cesar Fiorentino. It was part of a show, <laughs> part of a show that I was part of years ago uh, um, called The Wisdom Circle. Um, uh, and the premise of the show was a bunch of old people in a nursing home. Sometimes they would improvise. Sometimes it would just be like these old people in a nursing home. But Cesar Fiorentino had had a stroke several years before. And so the entire right side of his body was like palsied. And and we were working on it for a couple of months. And the thing that then clicked to bring him to life was he didn't feel sorry for himself. And he had an irrepressible sex drive. Oh, I God, knew it. So I was going to say, I, Caesar is best in bed. Yeah. He's nailing it. Yeah. That's exactly. But that thing of like finding the opposite in somebody, exactly. because it, what was hanging you me up for the, the longest yeah. time was like, oh, the, like the, he's the, so sad. He's frail and he's sad. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you undercut that sadness with, what's the opposite of that? What mm-hmm. is this? if this guy could close his eyes and forget his body, mm-hmm. how does he really see himself? And suddenly it clicked and it became yeah. what felt like a three dimensional person. Mm-hmm. And I found that whenever I put on the costume, I could just improvise for like hours. Oh, so I could yeah. keep on going. The best. Yeah. That's the most fun. It, what you're saying too is reminding me of just how I feel about like most like story or n- narrative or linear or whatever. Like if you're watching, like I have an issue with like independent film yeah. because that feels so much like real life. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're going to go and do this guy who's like paralyzed in a, in a nursing home, it's like, who wants to see that? Like I remember going to see Avatar 3D and it came out of it and was like, Whoa, that was so fun. <laughs> I was like my sister who is a producer and she does movie stuff. I was like, that was so fun about like why I liked it so much. And she's like, it's because movies entertainment is meant to be kind of an escapism away from your life, okay? So the audience will enjoy the fact that this crippled guy is actually like gangbusters in bed uh, because it allows them to like feel good about seeing this person, realizing that people are okay, they're going to be okay. And that's why I have issues with like, you know, really um, independent films that feel really angsty or dramatic. Like I fucking hated that. God damn, I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, who are the two brothers that make all the movies? Fargo. Oh, Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers. Okay, so the Llewellyn Davis. Uh-huh. I fucking hate that movie. I hate it. <laughs> it was just like, okay, angsty artist, blah, 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 blah. You uh-huh. know, like, and it just goes on and on, and they had so many opportunities to make it funny or uplifting or, like, do something dynamic with it rather than throwing in a couple funny characters. Like, Adam Driver was funny mm-hmm. as, like, the weird VO guy. But, like, I was like, I walked out and I was like, Really? Okay, so I know tons of angsty artists. Yeah. I didn't need to see that. Yeah. And there's no like resolution, there's no whatever, which I guess was the point. Yeah. But like that was annoying to me, but like because I want to see I want to see something cool happen. That's when my favorite like dramas. I was I don't know why this is popping in my head, but I think we saw it together, Children of Men. Oh god, I love that it's movie. It's so good. It's been years. I saw it in the theater and that's mm-hmm. it. And I still think about it because the way they balanced humor and like comedy uh, with dramatic, intense situations mm-hmm. was done so brilliant, brilliantly. And that's one of the things I think about with comedy in general. It's like you can infuse it. The best dramas are the ones that have like these moments that are like so bright and hilarious and true, but then yeah. you get back down to like the nitty gritty of what it is. Yeah. But I don't know why. I'm going on a tangent, but that's what you talking about that character made me think about, which is like you got to find that like other punchier yeah. dynamic. Well, is that weird in thing order to make like, it pop, I guess, and yeah. make you be able to go forever and have so much fun with it. You need to suggest a, a, a reality in the mind of the audience. Like the audience needs to feel like this is real, but you can't necessarily do that by just showing them reality as yeah, it is. Like, exactly. It, 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 I hate that feeling you get in a lot of indie movies where it sort of feels like you're making reality smaller and grayer and mm-hmm. flatter. Yes, and, exactly. And that's not what it is at all. It's actually like you have to make it a little bit bigger and a little mm-hmm. bit heightened. Uh, uh, it's disproportionate mm-hmm. to the way it is in real life because what you're aiming for is what's going on in the mind of the audience watching mm-hmm. it. You want them to experience the fullness of yeah. these people and the fullness of the story and not like the flatness of... Um, um, time pass. 
passing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It must be more visceral. Yeah. I've been getting really into like sound lately, yeah. like sound design. <laughs> Sounds so cheesy, but like <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, all about design. it, man. <laughs> That's why she hates uh, hanging out with me because uh-huh. I'm too loud. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's like I, I just want I want all the senses. I want I want um, all theater and all comedy to to activate everything. Right. I want like. I want to be thinking. I want to see some weird shit that I hadn't ever thought of. I want to hear sounds that are nice and full. And, you know, I want, I want my vagina to be engaged. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean like clenched up or do you mean like in a relationship? Oh, okay. Okay. Not tense. You don't want a tense vagina. (laughs) Got it. Well, you said engaged. Like it makes me think like, no, engaged means like on the ready. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Any moment. Uh, um, uh, you ever read? Um, oh, this is so pretentious and stupid. <laughs> Great, uh, 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 on moral fiction by John Gardner. No, it's okay. It, uh, but at one point he talks about the reason why we read fiction to begin with, and and he makes the argument that it's a place for people to exercise their heart. You know, like you exercise Mm -hmm. your empathy for other human beings. And that idea has always stayed with me that like it it, to, you have to, this, I'm sorry, this is the stupidest thing I promise I'll say for the whole podcast. You have to practice loving, right? Like you can't just like wait for like a loving experience to happen to you. You have to actively practice it. And, and using stuff like that, like creating an experience that invites people to, to have a heightened perception of you, Mm -hmm. uh, um, like actively exercises that heart to start pumping. And and I think one of the reasons why like that escapism that you're talking about is so moving is because it actually makes you like, obviously you're alive every day, but it's sort of like a fish in water. You kind of don't see it because Mm -hmm. you're surrounded by it all the time. And then you have those things that call attention to like the actual experience of, of, like oh shit I'm here yeah temporarily among others who are sharing it with me temporarily you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. uh, um that's why I hate to see when comedy gets uh, um when it misses the opportunity to like go a little deeper or go a little bigger mm-hmm. or or be a little more honest or a little bit more direct mm-hmm. when you kind of like catch it that like oh we're almost at the cusp we're almost at that place where I'm about to get like an insight and then like uh, you did a funny joke and it was mm-hmm. a funny joke but now I'm I'm watching yep. comedians work their comedy or actors work their acting rather yep. than being able to like feel something for mm-hmm. this person. And I yep. think one thing we find when we're like coaching people or doing the class for the character stuff is that there is a natural built-in kind of sensor that people have. And yep. I used to have it very strongly when we I was first doing stuff. That's one of the reasons I gravitated to characters in the first place, like doing improv, is that I felt insecure. I felt uncomfortable being on stage and saying the things I was saying as me because I thought people would judge me or like I just didn't feel comfortable like being a terrible person on stage or like saying certain things I thought I might offend people. Whereas in through like the the veil of being a character, I would be able to be like, screw it, and I would just like all bets were off, you know? And I think that sometimes with people that are trying to get into character stuff, that becomes kind of like a hard thing to jump over is the like, I don't know if I should push it this far or like they'll, they'll push it just to that edge, but they'll not get to that really developed place because they're afraid of it because it feels too honest because mm-hmm. they're on stage and they're, you know, like I think that that is something that uh, as people continue to perform, hopefully usually they like will work through and jump over that. And yeah. some people don't even have it to begin with, which is really great. And then they can just really get down to business. Yeah. But that is the one thing I think that Jan and I often find ourselves like, pushing people or like being like like an actual part of the class it's part of the curriculum to be like you must risk that's the thing that we're all gonna have to do here in this class we're gonna always say it like take a risk jump off the cliff be afraid and enjoy it Mm -hmm. because that is the fear that fear is a good feeling like like, learn to love it like better risk than regret like i just went and got my hair cut my friend cuts my hair and i was telling her about it how like she was like let's color it again or do something to it and make it super bright because she what I found and I was like yeah that's exactly it I'd rather go way overboard Mm -hmm. with something bonkers cuckoo crazy than go like then not get there and then kind of feel 
like regret it later. Yeah. And that's how I feel about like when you're nervous for a show, it's like, well, I'm going to go fucking balls to the wall out. I'm going all out because afterwards I will regret it so much if I didn't, because you enjoy it once you get out there, you yeah. know, like, but it's that kind of like, that's why you, we try to, and I think a great exercise for any performer is like to like, okay, it, you, we want it to be probably like a seven realistically when you're doing it, but let's try pushing it to like an 11 when we're rehearsing it mm-hmm. and see what happens. And we'll probably find more dynamics in the piece anyways. And also, um, you can always scale back. It's much harder to like push through yeah. the day of the to show, like the nine or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy playing like soft, quiet thoughtful characters that's like my range yeah but the the successful ones are always like a hair's breadth away from screaming and freaking out it's got to be like just under that surface and then there's this veneer that goes over it of like gentle and quiet but if you don't have an 11 like yeah. somewhere in there yeah uh, uh then a seven on stage actually comes across as like a four well or a and three christian talks about this a lot it's the type of thing that and it's exactly what you're very good at, which is like um, the, some of the best performers are the performers that speak the quietest, mm-hmm. but everyone is like tuned in just because they're engaged yeah. and they're engaging and they're like fully a real person. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Like that's the most, one of the most delightful things. That I think when you watch younger performers, they'll be like, zaning crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to like fill they're every trying, goddamn yeah, second. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. They're in there and they're, they're acting their heart out yeah. and they're like all over the place. And it's super, and it's super fun for people. Like even anyone to like go balls. I go balls all the time, but I mean like there, it takes a, nuance to like just hold someone's attention just talking quietly it's yeah. A, yeah. but it's amazing but that's what you love watching then those are the shows that you watch and you're like maybe it didn't get raucous laughter throughout the entire thing but the fucking entire audience is like zoned in yeah. and when the laugh hits it's like so amazing and earned if there is even a laugh yeah it's not always it's not necessary but i really enjoy watching people think on stage I like watching characters have thoughts in their head that are sometimes not expressed to other people. I like that feeling of like something is being concealed mm-hmm. because it, it, again, it's one of those things that calls attention to like, that's just reality. Mm-hmm. It feels more real to me, you know? And also like f- for me, it's just like a taste thing, but like, I feel like ultimately if what we're producing isn't ultimately zeroing our attention in on like the human beings that are on stage. I don't mean the actors themselves necessarily, but like the human beings that we're like conjuring for this half hour or whatever, it doesn't really, like it can work and be entertaining, but that's the stuff that I forget almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I walk out of something and I have an impression of like the characters that I just watched, that's to me, that's success. That's great comedy, like serving serving uh, uh, like a good end, it brings mm-hmm. me wanting to be closer to other people. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. definitely. It's a kind of like a catharsis in yeah. a way. We get to like watch somebody go through this thing. <laughs> it's personal. Yeah. Now <laughs> it's I want to, I'm delightful. sorry. Go yeah, on. I, I want to uh, uh, go into this because the two of you guys have both created solo shows. Uh, um, Lauren, you did Our Condolences mm-hmm. a couple of years back and uh Janet, you are going to be in February starting up a run on Thursdays at uh, nine o'clock, at 10 o'clock, a run of uh, uh, classic singles, Ballads of Loneliness. I just had to consult. Yeah, I love it. Uh, um, uh, Both of those shows in in my mind are, I think, among two of the best shows I've ever seen anybody do at the Magnet. And they're both very beautiful and very moving and very honest. Thanks, Lou. Um, Yeah, it's really nice. It's the nicest thing. (laughs) But without making you in the audience feel bad. I've seen other people do solo shows that were also honest and direct, but uh, I walked away from the show hating the performer and resenting them (laughs) for, for making me have to like watch them suffer on stage and like go through their turmoil and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You guys did the exact opposite of that where you walk away really feeling like you had like a beautiful experience. And, and like I walked away from both of your shows feeling like that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to be. That's like the, the goal post for people. Uh, um, how, (laughs) (laughs) how do you do something that's honest and true to yourself and, and make it something that warms people instead of something that's sort of just like self-indulgent? 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. I think that um, I'll just say one thing and then I'll let Lauren no, talk about you- our condolences because I will say that I learned a lot from her solo show, which she did a few years ago. I learned a lot from it um, because, and I've been having this conversation a lot lately with people um, that we, we all do like all these different projects and tons of comedy, but like the stuff that always resounds with our friends and with our audience is the stuff that is true to life. It's always coming from a place of our own understanding and of, and a strong personal lens. Um, and Lauren, Lauren's solo show was about her mom dying, (laughs) which is so intense (laughs) that you can make a comedy show about that. And, but I mean, I, I went through a range of emotions watching it. I was sad, but also laughing my ass off. I mean, um, but yeah, I think that, Honestly, when it comes to doing like a solo show, it has to come from a, a what you're doing now, what you've been thinking about now, what you're going through, because otherwise it won't be honest. I I've, I have seen so many character solo shows in in my time, and uh, I like them. I think they're funny, and I enjoy them, and I always enjoy seeing my friends do them. I think it's brave. And I think it's valuable and I think it's a great practice. And um, and I also truly love the shows that have a personal message mm-hmm. of, of something to say about their world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I would say, um, uh, first of all, Janice's show is amazing. And anyone who's listening to this... <laughs> needs to go see it in February. February at uh, 10, at 10 o'clock on Thursdays, Thursdays at the Magnet Theater. Gotta see it. Um, I think for, for to, in order to do, like, yeah, not not hate the person when you're watching, like, a solo show or something like that, and to, like, ha- like in order to create something, Gina, like, hit it right on the head that it has to be something that the person who's in it cares about and it's that same thing that we've kind of been talking about actually which is like empathy and creating characters and putting them in a situation where you understand where they're coming from you understand why they're doing what they're doing like um you can there you can create absurd characters or characters that like aren't people you'd necessarily want to like be friends with or spend any time with but and still be able to enjoy them if you if you see yeah their motivation and you because you, anyone can relate to it. you want to create situations people can relate to Janice is amazing and I related to it deeply <laughs> that's about being not about being single but I mean yeah it, oh, it's, 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 it's called classic single. singles <laughs> and also her voice is amazing which is so fun but like it, that's true it's true but it's like you. Uh, it has to be like for me from from speaking from my show and writing the characters because basically all the characters are like people who are offering condolences to someone whose parent has died recently and it's that weird thing because it's an uncomfortable thing and people react really strangely and really oddly and again these are necessarily people you wish you had in your life that are like offering these they're being maybe perhaps offensive or rude or like you know whatever the thing is as long as you you want to it's like um you see here a lot of actors i feel like when they're talking about characters that are maybe unlikable characters they like them usually if they're good at acting it you have to find what's lovable about a person Mm -hmm. because everybody's lovable everybody has like good in them so you have to find find that like place I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling about this, but it's no. it's important to. I think it's important to have just a a theme. Mm. If you're going to make a show, yeah. If you're going to make a sh- character showcase that you want industry to see and you want people to see you saying, "Hey, I can do characters," that is a thing. That's its own thing. I think that t- writing a play for yourself to do is a different project. In in order to m- make a show. You have to have a theme, a concept. You have to make it theatrical. It should be entertaining. It should be inviting. It should be big. You know, mm-hmm. it should be a little scary. Um, 
and it should be relatable. It should be about a topic. And like what you were saying about um, when I just remember in Lauren's show, it coming off of the tail end of her mother's death and the grieving that happened. And just like knowing her as a friend, just being, being able to have discussions about it or, you know, make comedy out of it, which is what we all need to do at a certain point (laughs) with dark things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I felt with my show the same way where it's like, I I'm coming off of the tail end of a long bout of feeling lonely. I'm having these conversations with all these people about how single and alone I am, how lonely I feel all the time. Like I grappled with myself for a long time, like, a year ago, just being like, I want to write a solo show, but I don't know what it, I want it to be about. And so I'm like, well, it could be about, you know, being a Native American. <laughs> or like, you know, I'm like thinking of this stupidest shit that I wasn't interested in, you uh-huh. know? And once I, once I started having these conversations about like what it's like to be single in 33, um, <laughs> it's, uh, everybody else was like, Oh my God, let me tell you about what it's like to be single and married. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, alone and married or what, t- let me tell you what it's like to be like, let me tell you about this phone call that I got from my piano teacher that invited me to this fucking open case. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you like how sad that was. And um, did somebody do that? Yeah. Is, is that, Abby, real? <laughs> uh, that all co- it all comes from something. And like, <clears throat> you know, like, let me tell you about alcoholism and like just ha- having conversations with people and being like, shit, we are all, so alone. <laughs> we got to make a joke about it because it's too sad. It's that's true. I think that is another thing that is that people can when people can relate to something, it helps them like be like, oh, I'm not alone. Right. It's the same thing where it's like if you, like I like when I've been in therapy, I'm like I'm in therapy and I talked about this because uh-huh. I want people to be like therapy's cool and <laughs> therapy. It's the dumbest thing in the world, but it's like it's like I went through this. It's shared experiences makes people feel less alone. It yeah. really is like part of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of it. It's like you doubly hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah, we like all need to go through this catharsis together. Yeah, and it feels good to do it and to get it out there and just be like, yeah, man, we're alone. Let's jerk off about it. Yeah, together. <laughs> you know, a circle jerk, jerk, right. jerk, jerk, circle. Well, like you know, like watching that show, and you know, like uh, I. I'm in different circumstances, but I'm still watching it. And like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, you just like see different parts of yourself being reflected back to you through the prism of, of mm-hmm. these beautiful performances and these beautiful characters. There, okay, this is the dumbest thing I'll say. There's uh, um, one more. One more. <laughs> I promise it'll just be the last oh, one. Oh, wow, I don't go. But this has been on my mind a lot recently, actually, uh, uh, just about like why it's fun to play other people and 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 what it is, apart from just like the kick that you get knowing that that you're being appreciated by the people, knowing that you're exercising talents and skills and it just feels good to exercise what you can do and get it out there. But then also this like kind of encounter that happens when you're kind of sharing your perceptions of yourself and sharing your perceptions of other people with an audience of people. Uh, um, uh, I read an interview with Jeff Bridges and he was talking about... Um, oh, uh, I love Jeff Bridges. He's fantastic. And talk about an actor that like just makes it feel like he's not acting at all. It's just, God, you know what I mean? Right like yeah. he, it's just, he's just that person and that's it. And there's thoughts in his head and it's just like, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. He was talking about like how there's different countercultural words that better for him express some of his experiences like words that aren't actually in the lexicon but like you know kind of like embody how he feels and one of the words i don't know if i'm correct uh pronouncing it correctly but it's uh caress it's from a kurt vonnegut book mm-hmm. in cat's cradle um and caress is like your family but not necessarily your biological family it's the people that seem to be traveling with you your band your, your tribe. band mm-hmm. but not necessarily even your friends like it also mm-hmm. includes your enemies it includes people that you can't stand and wish you could cut out of your life like but it's the people who seem to be like on the bus with you the entire yep. time and there are like few heightened moments where you sort of have that perception it kind of like clicks in and you realize that like oh yeah i am we're a generation together, like from beginning to end, mm-hmm. we're all, you know, going to get off this bus together. And it, mm-hmm. like to actually have that as not just a thought, but like a direct visceral 
perception. It's a feeling. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing that happens. And we always talk about kind of these comedy cohorts that move together and then they start doing TV together and then they're like hiring each other or yeah. the, you know, it happens in all genres of life. Writers do it and actors do it and comedians do it. But we have these, we have a carass. We do it. It exists. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a similar thinkers, you know, also people that feel jealous of each other. You know, we challenge each other and, and the hope is that we always have it, uh, you know, Wherever the paths go, there's just the connection to this community that we've developed, that we spent so much time and so much energy cultivating it. And that, like, you know, it doesn't just like at one point in our lives vanish. Yeah. Yeah. And like we all just give up. <laughs> no. It's crucial. It's crucial for like getting, for motivating you and getting, wanting to get better. Seeing it's like Janice said, it's like whether it's somebody encouraging you or somebody showing you what's possible and then you wanting to like try to be able to do that. It's such a, it's like become such an embedded part in our lives. And we always have the saying where it's like, I think Jana was the first one to say it, but she's like, comedy saved my life today mm-hmm. where it's oh, like God. that feeling where it's mm-hmm. like and I feel like when I first moved to New York and then I came here and took a class and I was like oh, these are my people like you immediately mm-hmm. feel this like oh I fit in because yeah. like, I've always I've had tons of I've had a lot of friends and you know I've, but I've always oscillated in between different worlds and different groups but never really felt like I belonged fully mm-hmm. and I think comedy especially when it came to New York and started doing stuff with the magnet I started actually feeling like oh these are my people I feel completely at ease around these people like this is where I should be, you yeah. know? And it's that thing, the whole like comedy saved my life today where it's just like, oh my God, I'm feeling like n- it's never going to happen for me. I'm like running on this treadmill and I'm never going to get to where I want to be. And I'm getting older and there's like work sucks and I don't have no money or whatever it is. And then you are like, you have a show. And even if you're, you're and then you're stressed out about the show and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> but then you do the show and it's so much fun. And then after the show, you're like hanging out with friends and you're like, God, this made everything, all of the horrible shit going on in my brain and my life right now worthwhile. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's these people and it's even the fucking annoying ones are the ones that are hard to deal with. It's like, it's all part of it. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I have a word that I made up (laughs) just to jump on this Jeff Bridges idea. I'm just like Jeff Bridges, by the way. I don't know (laughs) if you knew that about me. Actually, oh no, wait. I'm the dude. You're the dude because truly, okay, so me, (laughs) Christian, you know, there's the dude uh, there's Donnie. Donnie. Well, yeah. And then what's <laughs> Walter? Walter. <laughs> and somehow, I don't know how this came up. We're like, we should be me, her, and Christian should be that for Halloween. Uh-huh. And they're like, and, and it's solely so that I can be Donnie and they yeah. can tell me to oh, shut yeah. the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, Christian, I Chris, text, Christian's like, obviously Walter. And I'm like, I could be. And then I was like, I'm not the dude. Janice obviously the dude. <laughs> I'm fucking Donnie. Everyone's gonna yell at me to shut the fuck up. Like, shut the fuck up, shut Donnie. the fuck up, Donnie. Um, it's your caress, man. It's, it's my caress. caress. It's the uh, the burden I bear, and I love it dearly. <laughs> I would want nothing else. Anyways, my my else. word that I that I Jeff Bridgesley made up a uh, long time ago is trude, mm-hmm. true and rude. <laughs> 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 I think it embodies a lot mm-hmm. of things that mm-hmm. you know happen. It, it, it's <laughs> super true. It's, it's the best those, way to be. One of those great words that needs no explanation. Yeah, the no. word itself contains its own explanation. You get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jan and Lauren, thank you guys for talking. Thank you for Thanks, having us. This is really okay. fun. Uh, this has been the Magnet Theater podcast that you've been listening to, and I, my guests again today have been Lauren Nelson and Janish Meeting. Uh, you guys can find out all about them by looking them up online. Look up twenty four hundred. What's the website for twenty four hundred? Twenty dash four hundred dot com. Twenty dash four hundred dot com for all things related to their sketch work with Christian Palak as well. You can come check out Jana perform in February every Thursday at 10 p.m. with classic singles, Ballads of Loneliness. Lauren, where else can we see you guys? Um, we have our show every Friday. Uh, Jan and Lauren presents uh, every uh, first February Friday. 5th. The next one's February 2nd. No, no, 5th. 5th, 5th. 5th. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Lauren's also on uh, uh Dangerous Woman. Oh, my yeah, my mod team has a show the first Monday of every month. At UCB. So the first week of every month, come see me <laughs> on Monday at UCB and on Fridays. Jan and Lauren present. Seriously though, please everybody come to Jan and Lauren. 
I, yeah. Uh, yeah, please do. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, guys. You. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you. This is, again has been the Magnetheater Podcast. I have been Lewis Kornfeld. Uh, please look us up online to find out more about who we are and what we do. Magnettheater.com is the name of that website. We offer fantastic classes in improvisation, sketch comedy, musical improv, storytelling. We also offer free intro classes so you can try before you buy. That's right. You heard me correctly. Free intro classes on a weekly basis. Again, you can find out all about that and more on magnettheater.com. Uh, if you guys enjoyed the show, please give us a shout out on iTunes. Uh, give us a nice positive review. If you didn't enjoy the show, just keep it to yourself. You feel better about yourself that you don't have to vent dislike everywhere that you go. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast. 